1: We want to tell you about something new that we're really, really excited about. It's Live Big Magazine. Live Big Magazine is a free quarterly magazine featuring premium articles from Derek Greer and other expert contributors. It's all designed to help you live bigger in key areas of your life such as faith, business, mental health, parenting, and a whole lot more. The good news is that it's absolutely free with no strings attached. We'll even pay for shipping. All you have to do is go to DerekGreer.com slash magazine. That's DerekGreer.com slash magazine to claim your free subscription today. Military
0: and Federal Employees. Consider Grace Church for your tax-deductible CFC donations. Grace is passionate about meeting the needs of people near and far. Every year, we provide over 13 tons of food to thousands of local families through our weekly Bag of Hope emergency food services and school supplies, gifts, and other essentials to children who may otherwise go without. We also serve the spiritually hungry and hurting through outreach, streaming services, and the Live Big broadcast. People fighting suicide or simply needing answers let us know that the strong teaching gives them life-changing hope that draws them to Christ. So tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow yeah. Give a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Give a life bigger than
2: yourself. Big, big. Welcome to Live Big with Bishop Derek Reard. Pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Visit GraceChurchva.org for this message and to find out more about how you can grow in Christ. We serve a big God and we believe that His Word calls for us to live big. So our prayer is that this broadcast empowers you to live a life so big that it blesses everyone and everything around you. Let's get into the teaching.
1: The helmet, now, just like the belt, was the first piece of armor that a soldier put on by the way, his sword was in that belt, and that was one of the reasons also it was one of the first pieces of armor he put on. The last piece of armor he put on was actually the the helmet, but it was also this helmet, the part of his armor that each soldier took the most amount of pride in. So these guys were serious about their helmets, just like, you know, ladies sometimes are real serious about their shoes. These guys were into their, their, their helmets, and often their helmets had these elaborate uh Carvings and engravings, and, and it had a large crest on the top that was you know in most of the movies it 's red, sometimes it was yellow, but it 's brightly colored every now and then you 'd even see a, a black one, but it was you know brightly colored feathers or maybe horse hair that, that made the uh, soldier look more fierce and also made him look taller. When you have that on your head, you just look bigger and When you saw an army of these these men with these things on their heads, they looked like giants coming at you, and these soldiers took pride in their Helmet. It says, and take the what? Helmet. Now each helmet weighed about one to five pounds, and the inside of the helmet was lined often with, uh, every now and then it would be felt, but typically it was lined with with sponge, just like our football helmets. You know, I remember playing football, we had all that padding inside the the helmet, and all that padding was designed to help absorb the blow. So someone, you know, when you get hit in the head, uh, the padding absorbs it so it doesn't go right up against your skull. So, uh, you know, this sponge that was, Inside the helmet is what God used to to, to help us when when life hits us so hard, we're seeing stars. It's that sponge that helps. So I want to take a look at John 19, 29, and let's take a look at uh, how uh, this sponge was used in Scripture. After this, actually verse 28, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, he knew that the sins of the entire race had been more than paid for. Jesus didn't just, you know, pay, you know, he just kind of, you know, got down to the penny and paid it. No, he would, his life was overpayment for the sins of the world. And uh, by the way, verses like this help us understand that Jesus was was more than just a man. He was more than just a good guy. He was more than just an extraordinary man. Because for his one life to atone for all people who would ever trust him throughout human history, he had to have had a major life in order for God's scales of justice to say Jesus and the sins of the world, and Jesus was heavier and mighty. I often say to you, and uh, I want to say it probably a little bit better than I've said it in the past, anything divided by infinity except infinity is zero. That's just a mathematical fact and truth so when the eternal one suffered in our place in my place in your place our sins instantly became zero in the ledger of God take a minute and think about that you have the eternal one dying for finite creatures and man anything divided by eternity is zero so all the sins that we could ever commit against the life the death and the suffering of Jesus Christ instantly becomes zero. Jesus, well, God would have to look at Jesus differently in order for him to hold our sins against us after we have trusted in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'd even add that the divinity of Jesus was the primary factor that made the cross work. And if he was not who he said he was, The cross would have no effect. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, he knew he had had done his thing. He did what the Father wanted him to do, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. He, he, he He was concerned about finishing, not just starting, finishing. Then he said, I what? I thirst. See, Jesus knew the character of the Father. And a lot of times we go through hard things, we start thinking God's hard. We go through bad things, we think God is bad. Jesus went through the hardest thing that a a person could ever imagine. The worst thing that's ever happened to an innocent man happened to Jesus. And he wasn't just regular innocent. You know, I could go to jail, you know, as an innocent person. But you know what? I've done some bad stuff in my life. So even my innocence going to jail doesn't really compare to Christ. He did not deserve the punishment he received. He, He was as pure as the driven snow here. So here Jesus... As he's on the cross his concept of god doesn't change you see god is only as hard as we need him to be and then he's only that hard until it's over you know when when you're getting a spanking from your parent you know back when spankings were legal your parent was ultimately being as tough as they needed to be for your good the parent didn't necessarily want to do what the parent was doing. This is if you had a good parent. Now, some parents are just crazy. and uh, but, but if you had a good parent, they took no joy in disciplining you. And despite what Satan may tell you, you know, our pain hurts God more than it hurts us. And God was feeling Christ's pain. And uh, he was aware of his pain. And as soon as Jesus paid the price, God came with provision. And he provided actually through a, a sponge. Let's take a look. Verse 29. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled the sponge with vinegar you know sponges absorb whatever you stick it into and put it to his mouth so as this sponge was used to supply Jesus with everything he needed to make his last statements from the cross maybe his throat was parched you know he he's gone through hell I mean, he sweat droplets of blood. It was a whole thing. Then he got beat. Then he got on the cross. It was a whole thing. So he, he, he needed saliva and he needed liquid in order to speak. He's been sweating and bleeding and all the rest. But what we see here is that God provides us whatever we need to get through even the worst situations. And in while Christ was on the cross, God provided this sponge in order to get Jesus everything he needs and help Jesus maintain his head in this particular crisis and take the helmet of what salvation where is the battlefield we talked about that it's in the where mind so if your helmet's not on snugly the enemy's what he's gonna do is he, he's gonna chop off or, or chop down the multiple blessings that God wants to give us right out, out of our theology and this is why you got to be mindful of where you attend church and who you listen to make sure they're in the book and uh, if they're not in the book uh, that's how you're going to end up getting getting messed up. So the devil, what he wants to do is limit our idea of how much God will save and how much God will do in our life. He can't stop our, our loving God and our relationship with God. He'll try to limit our understanding of God. So this is why, again, this helmet has to, to be snugly placed on our head now the Greek word translated salvation here it's the helmet of what salvation not just a helmet he likens the helmet to what salvation the Greek word here is soterios sotirios, and you may have heard that word before and it's translated salvation but it's an all-inclusive word that means welfare prosperity deliverance, preservation, and in this case, even soundness of mind. He said, and take the helmet of salvation. So we see here from the language that this helmet encompasses more than just one day dying and going to heaven. However, that is where it all starts. So today I want to dig into five biblical ways that you can be assured of your salvation. And they're all going to come from the book of John. And then we're going to wrap up uh, for the day. Number one, 1 John 4 and 5. This is how you can have your mind anchored. I mean, wrap tight knowing that I belong to him. That I, I, I am God's. That, that God will fight this battle through me. And and uh, it will help keep you sane when the devil's trying to point his finger at you and say you're, you're less than a child of God. Uh, number one, 1 John 4 and 15. John says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. You see, at some point, it's not just enough to attend a church, become a member of a church, or even like, you know, a few gospel artists and and listen to, to gospel radio. At some point, we have to actually open our mouths and say out loud before others as well as before God, That, you know, the son of God came to, he was crucified for my sins. He rose from the dead. And and I want to make a public statement. And by the way, baptism is also uh, a way of us making that public statement before others. And, you know, at Grace Church, I often call people forward to give their life to Christ. And it's not because, you know, I just want people to be seen as much as the fact, you know, the way you start something impacts often how you continue it. And there's something about standing up and boldly stating, I belong to him. I believe. I don't care what they believe. I believe that Jesus died for my sins, rose for my sins. And, and making a public declaration is a big deal. A lot of folks talk about private faith and all that. Uh, but the reality, the Bible knows very little of that. Um, uh, the Bible expects us to to be transparent and clear about who we trust and who we believe in, we are not to be ashamed of our King. So don't just just feel it. If you have something to say, say it. And if God's put in your heart that that Christ is risen, get it out of your mouth. Get it said. Number two, John verse two and uh, chapter two and verse three. Now by this we know that we know Him. So it's important. God's trying to help us know that we know Him. I want to say that again. God's trying to help us know that we know him because we'll have moments where we kind of wonder. And uh, he said, th- this is going to anchor your soul. Now, by this, we know that we know him. If we keep his commandment, commandments, this is really, you know, I'm going back to when I was, uh, you know, gave my life to the Lord in my, my early 20s. This is how I really began to have confidence that Jesus came into my life and in my heart and that my faith was real. I actually began to do the things the Bible told me to do, things that I wouldn't even think about doing, things I I didn't even. I had no desire to live a, a, a biblical or a Christian life. But when I started wanting to obey his commandments and I found God helping me to, you know, keep his commandments I was like, you know, something did happen to me. You know, it's, I am not the same guy because that guy would not be doing this. That guy w- would not be forgiven. That guy would not be trying to be kind. That guy would, would, would not be trying to be good in this situation. And th- you know, that, that old guy would be trying to find a way or any way out of this situation. But this new guy on the inside of me, he he's directing me differently. And the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So, you know, as, as I lived this book out, it, it became clear to me that, that you know, God, God is a way maker. He, he is a burden remover, yoke destroyer. He, he is all those things I, I heard people say. He, he became my help in trouble. And, you know, one of the hardest things to do is actually live out this book. And when I found him helping me to live this book out, again, he became a present help in trouble. And I realized this is not only is my faith real, God is real because Derek can't do that. But God is equipping me and stretching me to do things I would never do, never even want to do because I thought it was soft. I thought it was weak. But God was working in me and through me and I was like, you know what? This stuff is real. You know, this Jesus thing is is, is real. Number three, 1 John 4, 7, and uh, maybe we'll go to 8, but 7. Beloved, he says, let us love one another. You know, growing up, a lot of the kids on my block attended church. And, uh, and some folks on our block actually mocked my family because we weren't religious and we didn't go to church. But those kids sometimes were some of the worst kids in school. But I knew God came into my life when I started loving others and not just judging them. And, you know, part of how we know that God is in our hearts and lives and we start loving the brethren we love our brothers and sisters in christ you know even though we do stuff and and you know there's error in the church there's mistakes in the church people mess up in the church there's hypocrisy in the church but the reality is that same stuff's out there in the world so you know i've learned not to have a double standard where you know i judge one group of people one way and another group another way so the Christians on my block might have been just as hypocritical as i was as a sinner uh, so, you know what? I, I, I began to realize that, you know what? I got to love folks, not just judge folks. And that was a proof to me that I really belonged to him because Jesus saw me in my sin and he didn't just judge me, said, you ought to know am better. You never should have done that. And if I was you, I wouldn't. He didn't do that. As a sinner, he loved me. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And, uh, you know, as I watched God try to start giving me a heart for people, uh, even people that are uh, Uh, make mistakes, even people that uh, are wrong, even people that don't like me, um, I realized, hey, something must have happened on the inside of me. That doesn't mean I always felt good about people attacking me and it was always easy to forgive people. But there was a a desire to, and when I leaned into it, uh, God always helped me to to get it done. Number four, 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a strong passage of Scripture. But when I began to not care so much what people think, when I began not not to care so much what others are doing, when I stopped caring so much what, what people had to say, I knew this thing between me and the Father had to be real. Because I started to live for an audience of one. It was all about the Father. What the world had to say about me, you know what? I hear you, but what God has to say about me is most important. And I knew that something must have happened to Derek Greer on the inside for me to start thinking like this and, and living like this. Number five, John 2 and verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. He's talking about Folks that had turned against the gospel message and made it into something that it was never intended to be. But the fact that I have kept coming back to my faith in good times and bad times, when it seemed that I had it all together, and when it seemed like everything was falling apart, I mean, no matter what, and there were some times I have intentionally tried, you know what, I'm done with this God thing, but there's this thing on the inside of me, no, Lord, Jesus is the way, you do love me. That that cross thing is real, and and I come back, and I would continue in the the journey. So part of you know what anchors my mind that I really belong to Him is that I keep coming to Him, and that's proof to me that this thing gotta be real. Because why would I keep coming back to a a, a God that wasn't in the face of all the obstacles and and, and challenges that I'm facing? But they went out that they might be manifest or it might become obvious that none of them were of us. You know, this is is a saying you you probably heard said, you know, if, if you love someone, set them free. If, if they come back, they're yours. If they don't, they never were, but that's actually a biblical principle. And God at times has let me do my thing, but he knew I belonged to him and he knew I'd be back. And sometimes we do stray, but, God has placed something in you. The Bible talks about He's placed the seed of righteousness in us. And, you know, we're true to our true north. We can't help coming back to the one who loved us first. We can't help coming back to what's been real and, and what's solid in our, our lives. And this is what I wanted to get to today. You know, you belong to Him. You know, deep down inside, you're His. So why are you postponing the inevitable? Come back. Draw near. You're bigger than the life you're living. You're, you're, you're bigger than the thoughts you're thinking and, and the choices you have made and the actions you've taken. You're bigger than all that. And you can get past all that if you're, you're willing to get this helmet back on your head and start thinking right. And why was the helmet on the head? Because it represented the thinking. And what messes up? Our thinking. So what's the devil trying to do? These fiery darts and usually are thoughts. They're trying to get into our minds, get into our our heads. He's trying to hit us with a a life event that startles us. And and then we're foolish enough to take off our helmet and then he actually destroys us. But what are these things that that are so detrimental and and so dangerous to us? They're thoughts. Everything that I have done right typically came out of a thought. Everything I've done wrong came out of a, a thought. Uh, you know, we, we, as a man thinks, so he does. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. So if you want to change a person's life, change their thinking. So, you know, this helmet of salvation begins with us understanding we belong to him. And we're not like everybody else. Yeah, they could do all that. Uh, but you know what? Uh, a, a pig enjoys the mud because he's a pig. But you know what? I don't have that nature on the inside. When, when, when I get in the mud, I can't help want to take a shower uh, because it's something different on the inside. And you know that God has changed you on the inside, but, but the devil's convincing you to play in the mud. And he tries to convince you you're a pig. And, and, but God on the inside keeps reminding you are not. You belong to me. Christ lives in you. You are different than the rest. At some point, just surrender. Because, you know, come easy, come hard, you're coming. You belong to him, and you might as well lean into it. Ephesians 6 and 18, and take, or take hold of of this thing, which is the helmet. And and I know life hits you hard. I recognize stuff happened, but you got to remember who you are. That's what happened to the prodigal boy that left his daddy. And he started, you know, messing around in the pig pen, even eating pig's food. Bible said he came to himself, say, "You know what in my daddy's house, you know there's food and, and and all the rest. What am I doing here? And God is saying to you right now, What are you doing where you are there's food in father's house, there's provision in daddy's house. What are you doing in the pig pen of life? He's saying, Get your head right, come back to yourself and watch me do what only I can do. The Lord is saying, and take the helmet of what salvation. Get back in front and stay in front. And and as we read this helmet of salvation, the word salvation meant welfare. It means prosperity, deliverance, preservation. God is not trying to take anything from you. He's trying to get something to you. And this helmet of salvation, when you embrace it, and stop taking it off. And you, you allow, you know what, I belong to him. I'm going to live like I belong to him. I'm going to love like I belong to him. I'm going to act like I belong to him. When, when you get that in your mind, your helmet stays on. And the devil really has no weapon that can overcome a made-up mind in Christ Jesus. I want to read Jeremiah uh, 29, 11, and I'm going to wrap up for the day. Now, we, this is the helmet of salvation we've been talking about. And salvation literally means, I'm going to repeat it again, welfare, prosperity, deliverance, and preservation. Watch what um, Jeremiah says by the Holy Spirit. For I know God is speaking through Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you. You see, the devil is lying to you, saying God just wants to, to beat you up. God doesn't care. God's not for you. But the devil is not your friend. He's trying to rob you of what God ultimately has for you. So you got to make the decision, as I said last week, the devil is a liar. If the devil's telling you not to, that means go ahead and do it. God says, I have plans to prosper you and not to what? Harm you.
2: This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Rear. We pray that you were inspired to think big, do big, and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. We invite you to meet us online for vibrant worship and strong Bible teaching each Sunday and Wednesday on social media or gracechurchva.org. You can also tune in to the Live Big broadcast on television. So check your local TV listings or visit gracechurchva.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have. But until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.
1: Hi, this is Derek Greer. I want to tell you about something new that I'm really excited about. It's Live Big Magazine, a free quarterly magazine featuring premium articles from myself and other expert contributors that help you live big in key areas of your life, such as faith business, mental health, parenting, and a whole lot more. The good news is that it's absolutely free with no strings attached. I'll even pay for shipping. All you have to do is go to DerekGreer.com slash magazine. That's DerekGreer.com slash magazine to claim your free subscription today.